Welcome to Cow Horse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. Cow Horse, Full Contact is a view into the industry from our eyes, seeing some of the people that we've seen and grown up with, and getting to hear some of the stories we've loved our whole cow horse lives and would like to share with you. And along the way, we might come up with a little bit of information that helps you on your journey in the cow horse. Here we are. Here we are. With your better half. Family affair. The first family edition. Uh, How to save someone. This is like, this is kind of like the movie Grease. And this is Olivia Newton-John, and this is Travolta. You know what I mean? No. Did you ever see Grease? Yeah. Well, nice girl. you saved him. Nice girl, you saved him from the gang. It's like the first part. So here we are in your house. Yeah, welcome. Sarah, wonderful food and snacks. Thank you. Your wonderful project. I made the cookies. Your project. My project. Yeah. Here I am. There you are. <laughs> All my glory. All mine. There's millions out there. This one's yours. This one's mine. How did I get so lucky? This this one's all yours. Yep. (laughs) Fighting them off. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go BC before Chris. Before Chris. Yes. Let's go back to your childhood where it all started out. Well, I guess it all started in a hospital in Salinas. There we go. There we go. Selena, little, <laughs> little West Coast girl. Yep. And, and came I was home born from the hospital to a wonderful, loving family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, um, my dad was a horse trainer, and so I, I would say that gave me a huge leg up all the way around, as far as uh, to where I am today. Um, he was uh, more on the clinician side of things, and he did a lot of the. The 30 dayers, like he'd get a horse in for training for 30 days, and whether it was a colt starting or a problem horse, and not very many show horses per se, mm-hmm. but a lot of different types of horses. And so I wouldn't trade that experience for anything because I think it made me very well rounded in that sense and gave me a whole lot of different experiences. Were you always well? So when did you start riding? Uh, shoot, as far back as I can remember, since I was a very little girl, I had my little pony, pony. and wasn't allowed to wear pants when I was very little and so I'd have my little skirt and we'd be galloping up in a lane in my little skirt and uh, that changed I think but was that side saddle I was kind no did you ever side saddle nope nope I so wonder how that could work they they were loose fitting skirts Mm. yes wide around the leg raspberries (laughs) (laughs) no I can wear pants under the skirts it had to do with the whole Pentecostal church thing Oh, yeah, yeah. But you got to wear pants under, under That's skirts. Lucky yeah, but you had to wear a skirt on the outside. And that, that was about till I was six. Mm. And then we. I was going to say, be a no fan of the rough out saddle no. with the skirt only deal. Yeah. So, so two, you're about six, just riding around for fun. Yeah. Um, not much showing young at all, huh? N- not at all. No. Really, we, I did a lot of, like, the play days when I was younger. I would say, like, you did everything. You did the Vimkana and the Western Pleasure and the English. Um, and I would say I started that probably when I was about 10. Up until that point, it was just, just riding. Loose ride. Yeah. Loose ride. Yeah. And, like, I never really had any sort of formal riding lessons, per se. They just 
let me go have fun, which was, I think, huge for growing up and not having like a real structured program type yeah. deal. I just, I, I just went and had fun on my little pony. But yeah, after that, uh, what was your pony's name? Tony. The Tony. Pony. Tony the Pony. <laughs> That's awesome. No, his name actually changed after every single horse movie I saw. So, yeah. He had mine, a lot of names. Mine was Macaroni. Macaroni. The Pony. He's a rhymer. <laughs> he could have been rap star. No, that that, was, really, that was really my pony's name. Well, I know, but surely oh. you named it. and it No, rhymed. no, no. No, it came with that name. So, non-original rap star. <laughs> Don't give me Just so much credit. Copycat rap star. That's what he would have been. <laughs> In sync. <laughs> Lip sync. That's what his name would have been. Lip sync. <laughs> so, <laughs> then when we start going to the play days and stuff uh aqha or just no, local it or? was super local like kind of your backyard type deal i mean i i had one horse that i did every single event on so i would run barrels on him and do the whole gymkhana thing one day and then we would do western pleasure the next um and so it was not very fancy whatsoever <laughs> and it's, no not aqha but it did that for a couple years growing up and I didn't show my first cow horse until I was, I showed in the youth, but I was probably about 15, 14 or 15 mm. when I first started showing in the youth. And I, I started at the very bottom. I, I did the youth limited for a year and then did the youth bridal um, and just did that until I aged out. <laughs> Which was just a couple Which weeks just ago. A couple just weeks a couple ago. weeks ago. <laughs> I wouldn't say you're aged out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so did you do some English, some jumping? I did, yeah. We had a customer, actually, who was very involved in the three-day eventing and did it at a pretty high level. And so I tagged along with her a little bit, and she got me into the three-day eventing, and I still do that a little bit on the side. I, I tell people it's my golf. I mean, <laughs> I just have the one horse I play around with, but uh, I sure enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. So when when I watch you ride, I think your equitation is just so much better than most people. Oh, it's just natural talent. I d <laughs> <laughs> well, you got equitation and no picker. So, <laughs> <laughs> so did your seat come from English or from uh, how did you I develop? I'm not sure. Or did you sure. just sit that way? I would say I just sit that way because I didn't start off English. I, I started Western. Mm. And if I entered an equitation class in English, it would be terrible. I, I've, I've done that, actually, and I, I don't want a thing. So for by English standards, I have terrible equitation. So everyone in the cow horse like, she'd be great at English. And everyone in English like, she must be really good at Western. Right? I just don't fit it anywhere. It's a terrible state of affairs. <laughs> so... You, Go through your 12, you're kind of just playing around, doing some barrel racing, doing some everything. Mm -hmm. And then are you thinking about being a trainer at that time? or what? You I, I wouldn't say no. I'm, I'm not, that never really crosses my mind one way or the other. At that time, I'm just having fun with horses. I'm a little horse crazy girl. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that at 12 years old, I'm thinking, what do I need to do next to become yeah. a successful horse trainer? I'm just having fun. I mean, that's what my life revolved around. I mean, I went on independent studies at 13, so I could be home with the horses and travel around with my dad to clinics and stuff, but it's, I wasn't really aiming, I don't think at that point to become a horse trainer. It's just, I loved it. Just so life. It was just life. Yeah. It was yeah. a way of life for us. So did you 
go to college or? I did not. So I graduated high school at 16 because I um, skipped two years somewhere along the way. <laughs> and She passed I, her brother. <laughs> I was going to. I made an appointment with a college counselor. I showed up. The college counselor did not, and I never went back. Hey, this was not meant to be. It was not meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of here. Yep. That was the year I had my first snaffle bitter, and John Rozier offered me a job. I was 18, and kind of one of those things, nothing was planned, but I'm like, huh, that sounds fun. Let's go do that. So 16 to 18, what do you, you caught, you graduated from high school at 16, mm-hmm. take a job for Rozier, 18, what do you do in the middle there? Just In the middle, I, uh, I worked for Sandy Collier for seven mm-hmm. months, um, and that was probably my first job away from home. Um, so right after I graduated, I went to work for Sandy, came back home for a few months. We had a customer that had, I had the opportunity. I I trained the horse for free basically. Um, and in exchange, let me show it at the snaffle bit. Um, it was a little shine with a twist gelding. It was a very nice horse looking back on it. I didn't really realize how nice it was at the time, but yeah, I mean, it it must've been very good to carry me through what he carried me through because we ended up making somehow the limited intermediate finals. I I have no idea how, but. Well, hardly any difference probably in the training programs between Sandy and Rozier. (laughs) (laughs) No difference whatsoever. (laughs) Sandy was perfect for what I needed for that those few months, and I, looking back, I should have stayed longer, but I was young and... Wanting to go. I don't know where I wanted to go. Just was, somewhere, huh? Just young. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, because she was very structured and gave a lot of instruction, where John, and I, <laughs> Chris is laughing, I loved this about John as well, because you had so much freedom to work horses in a sense and f- just figure things out. Mm-hmm. But there was not a whole lot of instruction and hands-on stuff. And so you kind of, you learned by watching. And that was, I was there two years. I, I wish I would have stayed there longer as well. But just got a lot of opportunity to uh, to ride a lot of different horses and do really a lot with them. I mean, it's I think it's hard to find a place to go where you do get that opportunity as an assistant trainer. And so I, I really got a lot of opportunity there. I was pretty much in charge of the two-year-olds and got a couple show horses, and uh, that uh, was, was very fortunate. And so John was a huge stepping stone for me and my learning curve and, and trying to figure everything out just because I got to do so much and had so much hands-on stuff there. Uh, it's pretty nice that you got to go to Sandy first and get the – I mean, Sandy has always been so impressive mm-hmm. to me for – her appearance on a horse and how in control and structured and a pretty rider she is and to have that before you go to john's and then have john just be like hey figure that out yeah and and it was kind of like the, the perfect storm in the sense is because i had so much information from sandy but i didn't have time i didn't stay there long enough to grasp any of it and so then i went to john's it's not like it was a completely new different training program he didn't try to throw a bunch of stuff at me but like as I was there throughout the time I can kind of like think back to what Sandy was telling me and I'm like oh so this is what this she was talking about this is what this is supposed to feel like and it's like I was able to kind of sort everything out while at John's and I say it almost sounds like I, I became what, what I was but I mean you're always learning but it just it was huge for me 
for, for those couple of years and um, was, was able to learn a ton. You know, and I'd probably, I would probably venture to say that one of the coolest things about being at Rogers is when I was young and first started, I don't know anybody that had more grace in the fence work than John Rozier and could do it on a horse with way less buttons. Yes. Like his natural ability was crazy. Yep. So being around there watching it had it, to. It is incredible how much feel that man has because, I mean, those horses that he's showing are not nearly as trained as he makes them look. And it's, it's amazing that he's able to get them to do, to give the appearance of being so broke when, I mean, really, it's like he just almost molds with them and becomes one with them. And it's, they're just, he has so much feel to get around that. And, you know, and then you're watching him and he can, those horses were so good to him mm -hmm. because, and I feel like he didn't overtrain. No. Like, they just, just like you said, they became one. It, it was like his horses were part of him. Yeah. And he just knew how to ask. And they're like, you bet, man. Everything just looked so natural and so unforced. And, yeah, it, he really made a very neat picture. Very, uh, was neat how happy his horses mm -hmm. were. And at every speed. Yeah. Uh, he, he is so fun. Yeah, I, and I mean, he, like, loves his horses, too. I just, it, I mean, he'll... He'll go out there and he'll just spend hours on one horse, just cruising around the ranch, you know, just, I don't know what he's doing. He's just walking here and there, but I mean, just in his own little John Rozier world and loving every minute of it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so I, he is so fun. <laughs> he was so fun. He was such a influence to so many people and still is, you know, he's still doing phenomenal. You see him all the time. He's one of those guys when you see him, you're so happy yeah. to see him. Everybody's. And the horses got to feel the same mm -hmm. way. Yeah, no, he's like a second dad to me. I mean, I really treasure that time that I spent there. It was, it was a very special time in my life. And then you got all that um, time to hear what Sandy had told you, and you got these horses now, and, you know, probably for years you're like, oh, my God, that is exactly what she meant. Three years ago, when you thought you knew what she meant. Exactly. And then, <laughs> yeah. You know. And then you feel it, and you're like, oh, oh. so this was it. <laughs> yeah. Wished yeah. I could have felt that sooner. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're at Rogers from 18 to 20? Yeah, yeah, give or take. Right in there. Mm -hmm. And then you? Then I left again. I went to Texas. I went to Carol Rose's for um, another year and some change. And uh, that was a good opportunity as well. Um, got to ride a lot of very nice horses and be around a lot of great people. And so, yeah, that was a, a very neat opportunity. And, and looking back, like I say with all of them, I wish I would have stayed there longer too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can never get enough. Never get enough. Yep. No. <laughs> so in the when you got to, say, even at Sandy's, how much of a foundation had you gotten from probably your dad mm -hmm. your family I you know a, a huge foundation from my dad and and the cult starting side of things because that's mainly what we did is we just started a bunch of cults and I would say oh it was about 15 that we bought a bridal horse and uh, we shared the horse and looking back on that that's not 
very often done. He would show it in the limited open bridle on. I'd show it in the youth, and that horse would get shown four times in the same weekend. Hard, too, because he was showing, and I was showing, and yeah. we both wanted to win. But we had a couple horses we did that on, and so. What was that bridle horse's name? Another plan. Yep. Yeah, it was a. I remember uh, that one. Yeah, he was by a master plan, and yeah, it was a good horse. But we did that on a couple different ones, and then uh, we did the same thing with some Hackamore horses. He would, uh, he bought a Hackamore horse, and we both showed that same horse too. And um, so he really gave me a lot of opportunity to be able to go and do that, and and go show some horses as well. And so I think that helped a ton stepping into an assistant trainer position because. I had done the event a little bit, and I, I kind of knew the ins and outs a little bit, and so it, it gave me a leg up in that sense, and it's so hard to, to find show horses, but when you've kind of gone out there and you've at least done it, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. At least you can have a, at least you have a vision of the end goal. Right. So what made you valuable to Sandy? Uh, do you think it was at that time your cult starting, or did you go there as an assistant? I, I went there and as, as an assistant. I think Sandy was much more valuable to me than I was to her at that time. Yeah. I don't think I added any value to her program. <laughs> um, I more meant... <laughs> what I meant was, uh, why did she pay you? Why did she pay me? I don't know. <laughs> to be there. No um, clue. I did a lot of therapy on her horses at night. She had oh, there we go. <laughs> um, no, uh... I, what did I do for Sandy? Why would she pay me? That's a wonderful question. I, I did do some cold starting. I did a lot of saddling, though, while I was at Sandy's. And then she she did have some non-pro horses around there that I did get the opportunity to, to get on and do some stuff with and kind of try to figure some more stuff out. So, But, yeah, no, at Sandy's I did quite a bit of saddling and uh, warming Work. horses up and cooling them out and all the, the stuff everybody so. loves to do. <laughs> Well, at least it's low pressure. It was. <laughs> I know I can sell this horse. I, I know got it. this handled. I am not yeah. going to twist that breast collar on the other side this time. <laughs> it's going to be flat. <laughs> um, so you've got a pretty good basis. You go to Sandy's, Rosier's, then you go to Carol's. And now where are we headed? So after Carol's, I actually went home for, I would say, two years because I was thinking, maybe I don't want to do the horse training thing. Maybe I want to do more of the clinic thing. Um, so I went and traveled around with my parents for two years and did clinics. Found out I did not want to do the clinic thing. was not for me. But really glad I did, because I think I would have always had that question in my mind. But once I did that for two years, I was ready to definitely jump into the horse training thing full time. After that, I went, I kind of did some contract cult starting gigs, I guess. Uh, Went oh. to the Gardeners for a while, and then the Toytons, and then um, Tom and Manny McCutcheon, and uh, spent a winter starting all of their colts, and kind of spent a few weeks at each place, and then I got married. So, let's back up a little bit, though, <laughs> before we go to your new life. Went the, your, your dad's clinics, what were they about? Was it about colt starting? Uh, yep, uh, general horsemanship and colt starting. General horsemanship. So you got a lot of looks at a lot of different kind of horses, mm -hmm. a lot of different riders, and and probably that would have had to help you in your instructions. You know, as an assistant trainer, helping with non pros and stuff later in your life. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Not I would so say much. I'm gonna say I missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
yes and no. I would say like around here, really, Chris is the one who takes the reins more with the lessons and stuff than more than I do. I don't, I don't, do you enjoy it? I've never really asked you. I just like the sound of my voice. (laughs) I didn't want to be the one that says that, but yes, that's really what's going on. He loves the sound of his own voice. (laughs) And who doesn't? (laughs) I mean, really? He's like the Clark Gable. He's like the Dean Martin. Yeah. (laughs) Speech pathologist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, like me, I have to make myself get in that psyche of, like, okay, I, I almost have to gear myself up for it to now we're going to give this lesson. Like, I am the happiest when I'm just Riding. out working my horses, you know. It's so, I, yeah, Chris does the brunt of the lessons and all of that. You, you would think I'd be better at it than, than I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've, we've, been, we've done some horse expo, well, a horse expo together, and it's one. One one plural to one One that fast. (laughs) And it's funny because she doesn't give a ton of lessons. Like people ask for her help and she's quiet about it. And like, and it's, uh, I don't know that it would jump out to me to see her do a clinic and be in that scenario. But I've really only been there with her once in Illinois and we did that. How did I do? And it's like a switch flips. I mean, it's like, it's a different Sarah and boom, and she's on and she talks her way through. Like she talked her way to a Coliseum full of people starting a cult. I mean, help people wow. with their horse. I mean, it's it's in, it's remarkable, really. I mean, to watch the watch that switch get flipped, and then and and then when it's over, boom, it's right back to done. Sarah. Back to riding. Yep. So but very impressive. How did you meet Chris? Everyone wants to know, and maybe why. No, just how. I you know just through horse shows. I would say is how we met. Yeah, I would. So you knew him for quite a while before. He became a I, romantic prospect. I knew him for quite a while. There was not a whole lot of interaction, but hmm. we knew who each other w- was or like Greece. are. <laughs> so, <laughs> how did the first, how did, did you <laughs> even get started with the first date? Probably wasn't even a date, probably kind of a surprise. Th- maybe this a, is tough because we have two different recollections of this. Weird. That's weird. And I promise you, mine's. <laughs> The truth. Yes. <laughs> there's there's the truth and Chris's. <laughs> but but it all started. I was I was horse shopping and I was in Texas, so I call him. I'm like, hey, you have any two year olds for sale? Or no, I think it was yearlings. Any horses to, for sale to come look at. See, he's giving me this weird look right now. I know. <laughs> hey, just don't look at him. <laughs> Stay with me. So, <laughs> so, so he was uh, judging. Right? You were judging a horse show in California. And I happened to be flying into Sacramento, which was very close to where the horse show was. And so that conversation got started where he was like, well, let's go ahead and just meet for dinner. And so we did because I was doing a clinic that weekend, very close to the horse show. Hence me flying into that particular spot. And we we went to dinner the next night. And where did the two, where did the yearling go? Oh, so that <laughs> horse. I'm showing her at the world's greatest horse yes. next week. That was Shine oh. Smarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, wow. uh, I know that horse is very special for very many different reasons. But yeah, I, I ended up getting her from Carol, and, uh, and that was that horse shopping trip. So, so Chris is working at Carol's. No, 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 no. Fast forward much, many years. Many years. Yeah. So, 2013. So how are you showing that yearling to her? He's not showing the yearling. He's showing that horse in the world's greatest coming up. 
So what what yearling was he trying to sell you? He never show, showed me because oh, he was total, I had no yearlings. Total. But I knew where there was some. One, I've been to Carol's and one, seen some. <laughs> so you don't even. She's looking for horses. You're on a whole no horse selling going yeah, on. No, he was in She's California for at that girl. time. Yeah, no, no, it it uh, it went from horse shopping to hey, let's go on a date real yeah, fast. That, like what? <laughs> He's a player. Always has been. I can't, I can't say Cap, anything to that. Captain Smooth right there. So now we're going to hear the other side of the story. What differs in your recollection? No, I'd say I've accepted the, her version. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> Wise man. See, he's grown so much. He learns as a, fast. As a husband, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's really grown. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet he didn't just learn that the first week. Of marriage. You know, I remember having a conversation with him. I'm like, you're going to do what you're going to do, and I'm going to figure out if I like it or not. So, <laughs> And that's when she had me, folks. <laughs> then it's like a switch flip. Perfect. Someone that can take me as I am. <laughs> but he has changed. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I witnessed that, <laughs> that change. So now you're dating Chris. I don't know if we ever really dated. I mean, we went on that date, and then, what, six months later, we went on another date at Christmas time, and then we were kind of engaged, and then we got married. That's kind of how that went six, down. A little six-month <laughs> six, six break after the first date. Break. <laughs> I mean, we talked, but there was a lot of stuff going on. So, okay. <laughs> so, Chris, you know you're going to marry her on the first date, or does it take you a while? Or? No, I was pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's the only one who doesn't know. Yeah, years be- years before, I think. I don't know. She was probably 18, 19, and I was like, that's a keeper right there. That's pretty cool. And But I was not anywhere ready. And so, eventually. <laughs> hope she lasts. I hope she doesn't get right. married before I grow well, up. Right? That's kind of, that was kind of it. I mean, and really at that point, I figured that that wouldn't happen anyway. And then, so when she actually agreed to go on a date with me, I was like, whoa, whoa a lucky dang. day. I didn't have anything planned past this. Right? He told me he'd be dead at 36. He lied. Oh, liar. <laughs> this was supposed to be a low, a low commitment marriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's she, he suckered you in with he the it won't last that it long. Won't last it won't long. be that long. It's fine. Put it up with me for a few years. Yeah, heck. And then, uh, you know, I'm probably going to make millions and you can inherit that. You can have that and then, you know, when I die, put the life insurance on me at 36, you'll be rich. <laughs> yeah, I think you should just stay away from all boys until they're at least 30. <laughs> this is, yeah, that's my advice. And you are six months, then you get married. Mm hmm. You get engaged. I mean, sorry, get engaged. How long do you get married? Um, we got married November fifth. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> I did better than Matt Cook. Way better <laughs> than Matt Cook. <laughs> that's impressive. Very. So then, so now you're riding for yourselves. When do? You, how do you get from Carol's to being together and training on your own? Yeah. Um. You know, I'd say. We got married, and we kind of just started Dawson Performance Horses. Well, you already had Dawson Performance Horses, so I guess I just jumped on board. Just came part. Yeah. 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 I just made it so much better. (laughs) So what everybody really wants to know, 
It's what did your dad think? <laughs> and you're like, hey, look what I got. <laughs> you know, luckily, I don't think my dad really, I mean, he knew Chris Dawson, but he didn't know Chris Dawson. Oh, so lucky. That, that saved me there. My parents love him. I, they didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know what I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and then you changed him before they could see him. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Yeah. Great plan. Yeah, no, dad uh, loves him, mom loves him, everybody loves him. See, everybody is shocked. And you now have a straight shot to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Saved one. Free entry. <laughs> Free entry. <laughs> you can do some bad stuff and still be, <laughs> like, maybe get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, she's solid for sainthood, y'all. Solid, solid. So you guys get started, and where are where do you, where are you go live first time? Uh, we were in Jacksboro. Jacksboro, yeah. Texas. Jacksboro, Texas. We were there for a short time, and then we moved to uh, Don Murphy's place in Bernieville, Oklahoma. You guys are renting before Don's? Yep, yep, renting, yeah. um, and then rented Don's as well. Um, yeah. We were there for, what, two years? I think so. Yeah, two years there, and then we moved on to the, the Circle Y and was there for another year and a half, and then rented that as well, and then... Yeah, really just had to have an indoor arena, like... Yeah. The business had grown enough that we just couldn't do it anymore without an indoor. I mean, we were you couldn't haul enough horses. Can't get can't you can't, you can't do, it do it without ground in the winter. You couldn't do it. Yeah. And so we end up leasing a place there in Aubrey for a year. So how many horses do you guys have when you get married, you think? It's probably keeping 25. 20, 20. Yeah, 20 to 25, I'd say. And then... and There was probably 12 pairs. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And really the same in, um, in Bernieville, I would say. We kind of kept that number, 20 to 25, with no more than 20 pairs. Yeah, we had Lee and Ashley Deacon they had gotten married, and they were um, leased that leasing back that barn. barn from us up there, yeah. Yeah. So that, just like a little commune. We all lived in the same house for a while. Then up to Circle Y, and about the time we were leaving Circle Y, we kind of almost backed ourselves into a corner because we got so big that our business outgrew our credit, basically, and we needed so <laughs> much place. <laughs> and it was hard for us to find a place um, that could really support what we had going on because we needed to shoot 40 stalls and two arenas, and we just needed help housing and... No down payment, not enough for the down payment mm-hmm. to make the whole deal. Enter, enter Bill Lewis and Homes and Horse Properties, and they <laughs> yeah. were really instrumental in getting us set up. They were, and we were able showed to. Showed us what we needed to do. and Get the place we have now, and yep. now we're hopefully permanent residents of Perrin, Texas for a while. How long have you been here? Uh, going on three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Time flies. Mm, fast. Fast. Very fast. So, you have moved in full swing now and you've done some showing but with you and Chris together what are the dynamics at home and on the road so in the beginning or what they've evolved to now let's start at the beginning the beginning so when it first started out he was pretty established and I would say that I was just coming on in a sense in the horse show scene I mean I'd shown a couple of snaffle bitters but enter shine smarter again she was kind of that one for me my parents owned her and um she was the first horse I made the snaffle bit finals on and then that kind of segued into the derbies and so she really opened up the doors for me to have the opportunity to ride 
different outside horses and people kind of trust me to go show them type deal. And so I showed her, it was the second year we were married, I think. And so really after her, things kind of just kept rolling and haven't really stopped. 2015, right? Yeah. Yeah, 15 is now Yeah, and so she really opened up the doors for me to be able to show some nice horses and and customers to be able to to trust that we can go get something done. And So... As you know, I interviewed Chris, and I felt like you two getting married was a perfect storm for both of you. Yeah. I felt like you tactically were phenomenal early on, and I just thought it looked to me like you turned loose more after you've been around Chris for a while. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, it just so so many things happen. I mean, you, you get better, you get better horses, and really just having someone to to ride with every day, day in and day out, being able to bounce ideas off each other and maybe maybe we shouldn't do this, maybe we should do that. And it just, you just constantly get better and improve. And I mean, there's so much that goes into it. I mean, you can talk about mental preparation, the show pen and all that stuff. But yeah, there's just a a lot has really come together over the years. Um, And it just, it's amazing how far it's come in a short amount of time. So I feel, I feel like a lot of the people that we talk to in the cow horse world are, have a good relationship, you know, with their wives or husbands or whatever. And I feel like it helps uh, with your confidence level because it makes not losing not so important because you always have someone. Did you, did you find that after you got married? Was it a, you know, I may have lost, but I still got Chris and no one really wants him. So I'm pretty <laughs> safe with it. So. <laughs> Or was that even any part of, uh, you know, just the security of Mm -hmm. a marriage that's working? Yep. You know, I would say that's huge. You always have that to to come home to, and that's that's a huge blessing. You know, I don't know that it takes any of the pressure off, per se. Yep. But, yeah, no, that, that is huge to to always have that to come back to and to know that no matter how I do out there, I mean, he he loves me and he doesn't, that's not how he views me, you know, it's not the performance in the arena. And so it's mainly what I have to do to keep myself in check. And it's really easy to, I think, fall into that trap of letting your results kind of almost form your opinion of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you can sit here and say all day long, oh, don't do that. But it's something like I think every competitor has to work on and struggle with and keep their self in check and it's like you, you go win. It's, it's great for 15 minutes, but you're going to be right back at it 15 minutes later wanting to go win again. And so it's like you have to find something outside of the winning and losing that gives you worth and a, a reason to get up in the morning. Well, especially when, say, you're showing five head horses, and yeah, you won, but you got three other owners that yep. are terribly disappointed. Exactly. Yeah, you only won on one of those horses. Yeah, and you got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, you got to find a way to, to grapple and almost have a feeling with those owners that didn't win. It's like you can't get on too much of a high because you got to come to their level in a sense. Otherwise, they're going to feel like they're not valued. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it's a huge balancing act. You know, I'm probably another thing, personally, I put so much stock in my owners because I feel like we're so, I didn't have owners I didn't like. I don't like them and got rid of them. If 
you know, what you need them around for. But mm -hmm. when those owners leave you, some that you really liked, and you, it, it, that was a struggle, but you have your husband or wife yeah. that's never leaving. Exactly. I mean, it feels like sometimes I think that the marriage, and some people get by without them just fine, but having had one, it was, uh, it really secured you mm -hmm. when times got bad. Yep. I mean, everybody gets through the good times easy. Oh, yeah. Right, mm -hmm. you know? But uh, that support when things got bad where you just, at least you had somebody. Yeah, yeah, to have that rock that you could always turn to, it's it's huge, I would say. How often did you ever think someone would think you were the rock? Yeah, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's something special there. <laughs> <laughs> Especially somebody that's nice. I know. <laughs> Crazy. Olivia Newton. Right. <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> so, Chris, you're good. we got to bring you in a little bit. Sure, sure. I mean, you know. I'm here for you. <laughs> you just got to give her a break. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of talking for me. I know. I love it. I knew you could do it. Yeah. I, I remember you at Rosier's. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Mama before she was Mama. So when you've, um, did it, what do you think it changed either with your showing or just with your life at home coming no, across definitely somebody? The, I mean, just your priorities shift so much, mm. you know, and it's, I don't know how to say it, but it's just like she said, you know, it's not, I know that it doesn't necessarily take away the pressure because I know that if I go do good, like say it, where it's super nice is if I'm having an off horse show, chances are she's not. And so it kind of keeps everybody going. And to speak to those owners' behalf, I think a lot of times the owners want to be on a winning team, right? And so even if their horse maybe didn't do as good as we wanted them to this week, as long as one of us had a horse that did good, well, it kind of lifts them owners up. You know, it gives them something to celebrate. Now, maybe their entry feed got forfeited this week, but they're still part of the group and they're still you know getting there's a party going on you know or something you know and they're having a good time and enjoying themselves and hey it'll probably be my horse next time you know and that I think keeping it and just the more having both of us it just lets more chances it's just more chances it's just more lottery tickets right there you know and so that part that part helps a lot but I know that there's times when say she hasn't made it, if she doesn't make something in the finals and I have one or two in the finals and I don't do as good as I wanted to, and I feel terrible. Like, you know, I feel like, the you know, it was kind of on my shoulders this week, and I didn't get it done. And uh, I feel bad for her for that, you know. And yep. that, that part, like I say, so I don't know that it really takes the pressure away, it almost, but it, like I say, it gives you more chances at it and gets you more tokens in the, in the, in the machine. Um, and, you know, even if you – People want to congratulate people. So say, sir, maybe maybe you don't do good, but Chris does good. Your owners, even though they didn't have a great show, in the barn there's happiness, and no one wants to be the one that doesn't congratulate. They're friends right. with Chris. Everybody's friends within the mm -hmm. barn, and it's fun to have a friend do good even when you don't. Oh, it's, yeah, of course. So it probably that probably helps. So I hadn't really thought about that, doubling the chances mm -hmm. of doing good. Just by having two trainers in the in the house, did you bring from your life as a kid? Um, probably Chris already kind of had the training going on and the billing going on, but was there a maybe not? 
I'm trying to see where this question develops. (laughs) What did, was there, um, uh, when you came in and you guys are both starting to train together, was there a lot of changes in the billing or was it kind of set up and going? Did you kind of have an idea about, you know, how to build the customers and making it all work, making the payments and all that? Or Yeah, no, he had a real good billing system that I stepped into. And, um, you know, once we got married, I I took it over, but I, I just followed what he already had in place and it was a, a great system and I don't we might have changed a few things over the years the budgeting um, got drastically improved the, the budgeting yes the the trips to the corner store for the beverages <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow there's about a 25 percent gain on income <laughs> it's amazing how that happens amazing <laughs> yeah um yeah no just the, just when you start a family you kind of start thinking of the future and maybe we should start investing and saving and not just spend all of our money on this or that and new horse trailers and so trucks trucks it's yeah crazy <laughs> crazy um and so yeah we probably made the most changes over the the last few years in in that sense and and managing um but no as far as the the billing it, it, he had a, a, a real good deal set in place that i stepped into that's helped me a ton because i've just i've never been one that i was never financially motivated and yeah. I know that some Wait people say that, but like seriously, before Sarah came along, I remember on several different occasions having CJ Shop Bell wire me a thousand dollars to Pueblo to Walmart in Pueblo, Colorado, so I had enough money to get home because, like, seriously, because he got married first. He got married first. And he had yeah. a place, and he wasn't, you know, spending all his money on self improvement and like (laughs) self-improvement i like it well i mean like entry fees i mean i invested deeply into myself invested a lot like beyond my means and so that part you know it it it, it takes a lot of pressure off when you have enough money to get home from the horse show whether you win or not Mm. oh my lord i mean seriously i mean pueblo colorado i think i went first and second at the prefaturity up there and did not literally have enough money to get home. Like, yeah, couldn't put fuel on the truck to mm. get back to Texas. And so. I've rode that boat. <laughs> why, why Why? CJ's wife allowed him to front me some money? I was like, listen, I think if I hadn't won, I think they checked the internet. They're like, did he really <laughs> win? Does he have money? Like, I have checks in my hand. I just can't cash them. And I have to get home. And yep. so, yeah, here's to friends. Yes. Hey, you gotta have friends, <laughs> and it's a real relief for your friends when you meet someone like Sarah. <laughs> right, takes like, a lot of pressure. Thank God, <laughs> we didn't think he was ever gonna find right. anyone. I have that number blocked. So. Uh, I remember going to Queen Creek one time and had to find change in under the seat cushions in my truck to buy chicken in Tucson. <laughs> and then Bob luckily, Scott, Bob luckily. Scott, who gave me money, he cashed a check. I was like. He let me write him a check and gave me $2,000, and that's what we lived on <laughs> in Queen Creek and got home on. That, yep. was, in, uh, that was in 2012. And Just so, the other day. Yeah, eight years ago. Yeah, that's been a while. That was, those were Traveling Jones days, and like, thank God for that horse. I wonder if your parents will think left of him after the interview. Oh, it's hard to say. Uh, they're probably blinded by now. <laughs> See all of his goodness. Yeah. No slave to fashion. So now you got a place going. What do you 
think about your future. What are you thinking about for your future? You know, like, do, what do you worry about towards the end of your careers? Towards the end of our careers? Yeah, you know, five, six years. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, how are you trying to set yourself up so that if something wrong goes wrong later, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen, we've all, all of us that have been in this have seen what can happen to old trainers that don't keep anything back. Right. And um, it's just hard. Yeah, I life. would say the, the biggest thing that we've done would, we've gotten a very good financial planner that knows all the ins and outs of the horse industry and knows what the traps that the trainers fall into. Um, and so she's really tried to set us up as far as um, putting money away and putting money aside and to be thinking about that because we don't have a retirement account that we're going to get. I mean, we if what we have is what we create. Um, and so no one's going to be sending us a social security check when we're 65 years old. Um, so to, to have that and to, to have that plan in place and be acting on it now while we're still young will be huge, I think, for later on. So what do you guys think your biggest misconception was before getting this kind of help as to uh, how, what you wanted to do going forward, what you thought you, how you thought you were setting yourself up versus what you're doing now? Right. I would say the biggest thing is... We always thought our place was our biggest investment, which it is. It's a great investment, but we were, I mean, I think we were both kind of under the impression we're going to get a place and we're going to pay it off as fast as possible. And um, our financial advisor can tell you much more than I can as to all the reasons you don't want to do that. But Inner Carrie Vollmer. Yeah, Inner Carrie has been a huge help to us. But uh, instead of... so you're putting that money away somewhere else and making it work for you and you're collecting the interest off of that money. Um, and so that's that's been huge to kind of change our thinking among many other things. But I would say that was the biggest one where, uh, where she helped us with. You know, I think the misconception comes in that we're not really making that much training horses, and you don't. Like training horses is a dollar trading deal. But in that dollar trade, you just stash a couple away. And I think I was always of the mindset that, man, I can only got a little bit that I could do away with. And it's amazing how fast you can add it up. If you get disciplined about it, you can get some money put away if you just make yourself do it. You know, and that I think was a mindset um, shift for me as far as, you know, Sarah coming along and getting Carrie involved. And, uh, you know, those things really helped a ton. And like I said, more so than I thought. I mean, like you say, because it's not like it's not like you're putting a lot away. You're not big chunks, really. I mean, every now and you know, you get a win or whatever. Maybe you get a little chunk, but other than that, it's just that little bit every month, and just that little bit every month. It's shocking how much it'll. So then you're taking that money and you're investing in stocks, or you trading on horses, or you, or you are you getting in the livestock with it or are you going on paper with it no um not not necessarily into the livestock um but yeah we i give it to carrie and she does smart things with it yeah you're trusting <laughs> someone yeah <laughs> we do try and we try and put a little in if we can breed something you know we access some good mares and stuff yeah, like that yeah, and try and build a little bit of inventory yep. without getting horse poor 
and having that's too easy many. to do right easy to do so do you guys think much about um having developing brood mares that you could live off of later or not so much because of the amount of overhead it takes where you can have riding horses here we kind of made a rule a while back and said we're not going to breed anything of our own or put any money into it as far as purchasing embryos if that mare hasn't won a hundred thousand because right. there's so many so many out there now and you just you can't hardly make any money on them um and so if we do anything we're usually buying an embryo from a customer um and then we'll we'll use that we usually sell them before we yes, have a chance yearlings, to yearlings them. Or <laughs> yeah before you even have to ride them yeah yeah and i mean whether they stay in the barn or not they're still not ours like we have a nice three-year-old that we were excited that we ended up selling but we sold her with some embryos um so we get to retain some embryos two three-year-olds no, or no, two, two three-year-olds oh, gotcha. yeah. so but i mean as far as really planning for that i don't know that you can plan for that there's so many things that have to fall into the right place for a horse to go win a hundred thousand dollars so i think the first few years big. when in the breeding when we had tj i think i would that was another misconception is i think I was able to come across some mares cheap that were nice mares but weren't proven winners and producers, and I thought that they had the potential to produce some nice babies. But then we looked up and we had 10 or 12 non-payers in the barn, and now they're you can't sell them yet because they're not doing anything, and you're three years Ouch. away from them really being, wow, you get yourself in a bind quick. There, and but so, yeah, but the hay company probably gave you sure, time yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. sure, probably shot them until they were worth something uh-huh. for free, exactly. Huh? Yeah, so we tried to vet bills bring that quality up and the numbers down as far as the uh, our inventory goes. I would mm. say that's the biggest thing. We and keep that. inventory around, but it's not very much, and it's they're usually pretty good the yeah. ones that we have because they're too expensive to have. <sighs> yeah, just, and if they're not, I, I'll try and move them quick, yeah. even if. First Even loss is the least. That's it. Yep. That's it. It's almost I mean, cheaper to give them out. away. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would stop the bleeding. I learned that from Carol's, too, because, I mean, I'd see those horses go through a sale somewhere, and she'd no-sell them at a certain price, and then we'd take them to another sale, and she'd no-sell them at less money, and then she'd end up selling them a few months later for less money. Like, if she just took it the first time, even if it wasn't what she wanted, it would have been yep. way money ahead. And, you know, and obviously, she's great. But I saw those instances happen, and I'm like, ooh, be careful with that. Yeah, yeah, that can, that can get, you can wish to yeah. have the last offer. <laughs> That's so disgusting. So, <laughs> I could, if I could. Uh, watch the know. profit on television. It's oh, like the first right. offer will be the best one. Always, <laughs> yes, yeah. So you, back to when you're first starting to show more, what was your, what was probably your biggest breakout horse? Sir. That mare, Shine Smarter. I mean, I would say without a doubt, she was the one that uh, that gave me the opportunities that I have now. And the confidence. Yeah. Yeah. To be, I mean. I think the confidence builds with, with each horse. I, you know, almost you're kind of unconfident when you've just done it on one. Because you're like, can I do this again? And so um, I don't know that I would say the confidence, but. It gave other people confidence in me for some reason. (laughs) Um, But no, I think the confidence developed after you've started doing it more than one time and time and time again. Mm. Yep. So um, 
one of my favorite runs is when you're at the world show on um, shiny, outlaw. shiny Little Outlaw. And that Hackamore run down the fence was so fun. <laughs> ha- um, and it looked like you were pretty calm about it. So, and I thought he was kind of a bigger, powerful horse. And I've since been next to him. He's not very big at and all. He's is teeny he? tiny. He's yeah. tiny. Yeah, he's a little guy. Little guy with a big heart. But he is a powerhouse, <laughs> isn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. No, that's it's a lot of horse in a little tiny package. Wow. Yeah. And never steps outside of the frame of his body with a foot. I mean, you know, it looks mm-hmm. like he is under himself all the time. So what do you have a body type that you like in particular in a horse or... Each is each. No, I'm I say about six foot, two hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Just what she drew up. <laughs> no, like the <laughs> the first four horses that come to my mind that I've probably had the most success have completely different body types. All four of them. So, no, I can't say that I have a certain body type that I go for because. Yeah, it's from my experience. It comes in all Never shapes know. and sizes. Yeah, you never know. Never know. Do you guys swap your horses out a lot at home or not uh, so much? So at home, pretty much uh, we draft them after Snaffle Bit. Um, so late in their two-year-old year. And up until that point, we're both riding them back and forth and just n- nothing's in anyone's particular string. And then sometime after Snaffle Bit of their two-year-old year, we'll draft them and then... Uh, they're kind of on the track for Chris to show or on the track for me to show. And so then there's less changing around. But, we'll, no, we'll still climb on each other's horses. So, basically, when you guys take a horse in training, you're Dawson performance horses. Yep. You're not Sarah Dawson, Chris Dawson. They don't say, Mm-mm. they bring the horse here and you guys do it. They don't say, hey, I want, this is Sarah's horse or this is my horse, you know. We've had that happen a couple times. And... I mean, I don't feel like there was any animosity about it, but, and it was no, funny. No, it was just one client, really, and she brought three horses, and she was like, this one's for Chris, this one's for Sarah, and then one was for sale, and so. The, but we ended yeah. up trading them we around. Ended we ended up trading anyways. them anyway. And <laughs> That's how we started. Were, yep. Yeah. <laughs> just a starting point. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. So, and like I said, we just try and, you know, and that's the other thing, the beautiful thing about our deal is that, you know, there's two different personalities that, you know, what if I'm not getting along with one, maybe Sarah will and vice versa. And so, like I say, because we don't do the same things, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, it's cohesive and it complements each other, but it's not interchangeable, you know? And so that part, it's, uh, you know, I think it's cool because like I say, it's just getting that extra chance, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you're sending a horse to, to open level trainers and yeah, like, see what Double. fits. And yeah. See who fits it, who fits it. So probably Sarah, going back to you sharing your horses with your dad so much, this is no big deal sharing horses. I mean, there's people, there's a lot of trainers at very high levels that are opposed to sharing horses at all, but you've done it your whole life. And Chris, did you share a bunch? With your non-pros and stuff before Sarah, or oh, kind of I don't something? know about shared. I mean, uh, we, you know, growing up in the, my mom was a horse trainer, and so we swapped around a lot of horses. You know, I mean, I didn't never ride one for very long. Didn't seem like, you know, they were yep. usually on the sale block while I was oh, riding yeah. them, and yeah. so it was kind of new horse all the time. 
you know, and probably one great thing is there's a lot of times you can be riding with somebody that is really good and the horse is really good, but you put a different person on there and the part that some little hitch that the guy riding it knows is there and he just overlooks and overlooks. You get on, you're like, hey, he does not bend his head to the left at all when you go to turn. That guy covers it up, the guy that was riding him all the time. So probably that fresh perspective between you might help you find those little hitches in a horse. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we do that all the time. Like, if I'm feeling something, and I'm like, I'll just be like, hey, hop on this thing and tell me what you think. And, yeah, I mean, uh, daily, I'd say we do that all the time. Very, very beneficial. Oh, to be so much. Hugely, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as much benefit as you get, you know, going to a horse show and kind of being around your buddies or whatever and, you know, hey, hey, jump on this thing and see what you're feeling here. And we have the... Uh, the benefit of being able to do that any day. Like mm-hmm. it's not, Oh, got to well, make I'm, a whole I'm, trip. I'm two months yeah. away from a horse, especially if you don't live somewhere close to your, you know, compatriots, you're liable to be, you know, at Matt cook up there in Colorado, you know, I mean, shoot, he's not going to get around the guys that help him in the herd down here until. Right. Until horse show time. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so like I say, being able to have that support system right here in house and it's huge, nice, huge deal. So, Sarah, you probably didn't ride with a lot of people in the same style that Chris did with Land Shields and uh, C.J. Chappelle, you know, and I did a ton with uh, Jake and Mark Matson and Donnie Bricker and just tons of young people because uh, that were your, you know, your same level while you're in the <laughs> in that you step out there in that open and you're getting smacked around by all the big guys because you were training and then you went into marriage mm-hmm. or did you ride with a lot of other people before that you know maybe yeah I never really thought about that but maybe not so much as as what you're talking about to where you just go haul over to your buddy's place I mean we do it quite a bit now um like we'll go haul over to people's places all the time but uh but yeah early on I was kind of always working for someone or was was a kid. And so, yeah, I didn't have, like, those those few years of being out on my own. It was just me, and I'm going to go spend a weekend with this friend or go hang out with this friend and just ride and bounce ideas off each other. Yeah, I, I guess I, I did not have that. As much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you see Justin Wright. You know Justin Wright and Probert and um, um, uh, Clayton Etzel and all them. You've seen so many groups do it, but... Mm-hmm. Rather than go through all them people and decide who you like, you just married your support group and it's really went the on. only reason I married him. Yeah, basic. That's basic. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody can figure that out. <laughs> that, that, six what? Are you sure you're six foot? <laughs> 200 pounds of beautiful. Right there. <laughs> so back to the. Let's go back to the money. <laughs> back to the money? <laughs> yeah, okay. back to the money. Um, with uh, getting help with your financials, I would. you're saying that don't pay off your rent. You don't want to pay off your ranch too fast. You would rather go get something where your money is making more money, your extra money. Because basically wh- um, what your advisor is telling you, look, your loan on your place is cheap interest. Mm-hmm. It's as cheap an interest as you can get. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing you need to pay off. If you can take that money and and rather than say saving three percent interest, 
you can go over in these stocks or bonds or whatever she's putting you in, you can make this mm-hmm. amount of money. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't know. I haven't done a lot of financial stuff, but I'm guessing you're looking at seven to ten percent gain or mm-hmm. uh, maybe more. So if you're making that kind of gain versus saving three percent on your loan, mm-hmm. it really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it, there's so much money that goes in and out every month. Your mortgage payment is a small percentage. And so really, if we didn't have that mortgage payment, it's not going to change our lives very much with our particular situation. Everyone's different, I'm sure. And so another point that she brought up is say you pay off your place and you're still not putting any money away. You get 50 years down the road. Now you want to retire and you have a worn down place that nobody wants because it's worn down and it's tired and you don't have any money to fix it up. So someone would actually want it. And so then you're taking a huge hit on selling your place because you can't market it because it doesn't look any good. And so that was another reason she said, hey. So if it's not prime real estate, now you're looking at a loss here too. Yep. Unless, or maybe, or maybe you go along and you keep it up. The whole time. Mm-hmm. And when it gets time to retire, you have a nice place to sell. But now, the only way you can tire, retire is selling your place. Mm-hmm. And you built this thing that you want to stay in once you retire. Well, now, the only way to retire is to sell it. And then what? Right. So, I mean, just another yeah, thought. Yeah, another then, caveat. Mm-hmm. And maybe for you guys, just thinking while I'm listening to you, you had to buy so big by the time that you bought mm-hmm. that... It's such a hard nut to crack, but it has a low interest rate. Maybe it's even less equitable to pay it off, to focus on paying it off first, whereas maybe somebody with a little bitty place that could get it paid off quick, right. then maybe they, mm-hmm. it might be a little better for them. But, yep. you know, it really makes you understand that the money deal is a whole new game and getting a little help really opens a lot of doors. Yeah. It's no, like it's training by yourself and go get a lesson. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't I, get your I left turn forever. You go, this guy tells you in two minutes, hey, yep. dude, you're, you need to bring your hand back a little bit. And suddenly your left turns out. Probably the same thing with financial advisor. Huh? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I tell you, I think it's something that gets overlooked a lot. You know, I mean, everybody asked, everybody's out looking for help on how to get their horse to turn around better. And nobody's out looking to figure out how they're going to retire better. <laughs> you know, and I mean, shoot, fire. I saw enough guys that, you know, I was really good friends with John Hoyt when he was living in a travel trailer on the back of Pete Kyle's place. And and I'd take my assistants over there be like, this is horse training. This is what being one of the best horse trainers in the world will get you when you're 80 years old. Living by yourself in a flipping travel trailer, right? I mean, that's scary stuff. Lonely. I mean, and yeah, scary. So yeah. that, uh, like I said, I tried to take all my assistants while John was still around. And just take him up there and, you know, A, to, you know, let him have a good day and have some young kid want to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. And and B, to let them guys see what could happen if you didn't watch what the heck was going on. You got to watch that. Got to watch that money. Because, you know, it is, this is still a physical business. And you can get physically hurt. You guys got twice the chance of one of you being able to ride. But a lot of people are one trainer deal. That's scary. That guy gets hurt. Just one bad wreck away from it. Uh, one bad wreck. Mm-hmm. One step. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you got to kind of watch some stuff and have a kind of an exit plan. Mm-hmm. Then you see the horror stories about a guy getting hurt and sending his horses to somebody, and they do good on them, and then they don't get them back. They never come Whole back. Whole barn leaves. 
Yeah. The whole barn lives. Happy days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take this major accident. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get rid of all your income. <laughs> it's all things to look at. You know, so, and I, something else, like, uh, for the young trainers and what have you out there, you know, when you're starting out, you'll have people say, hey, I'll send you three horses if you kept me a deal. <laughs> I'll be like, mm, that red flag. And like I said, we've talked, and I mean, you have yeah. to do some deals from time to time, but the quantity deals are bad because if that guy doesn't pay or gets behind and then defaults, you're all of a sudden left holding the bag. Mm-hmm. And son of a gun. So like I said, that was probably the best thing that I did start in my business was I limited customers to three horses. Like I wouldn't ride more than three for them because it gets yourself in a, say you just get to be beholden and man alive. And sure enough, everybody that wanted that deal would get behind about three months and I'd be packing them for about 10 grand. Isn't there like an old the saying, Chris, putting all your eggs in one basket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you see it so much, real. it scares me. I see them young young guys starting in businesses and get five or six horses for somebody. Mm. I'm like, man, alive, that deal goes bad. I'm going to be back to riding two-year-olds for somebody. Yep. yep. So, uh, Sarah, how, what did that run feel like at the AQHA? ADD much? What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want her to just know where it's coming from. You know, these questions got to be from nowhere. (laughs) And Chris has to go to the restroom. Um, (laughs) What did it feel like? Uh, It was fast. Yeah, no, it it was fast. Sure, it looked like there was a lot of degree of difficulty. And, you know, he was was good. He he was right there the, the whole time with me. And, I mean, he just... He never let that cow get the catch on him, and um, it, it was a, it was a fun run. I mean, it was on, on the brink of not working. Yeah, right on the edge. <laughs> so when you ask me how it feels, I'm trying to put into words. Well, how did it feel? It Stressful. Was, yeah, it was, <laughs> I'm glad it worked because in in the midst of it, it, it felt like it, it was not working. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad it did. <laughs> Sometimes the wow will just bring everything your way, right. even when you're in there. So what would you say is one or two of your favorite runs you've had in the show pen? In the show pen? Um, you know, one of the horses that I really enjoy showing the most is probably Traveling Miss Jones. And the fence runs that that mare is able to put together, you know, she's she's a big horse and she's long, and but she can do crazy stuff with her body and she tries so hard all the time um and so I don't know that I can pinpoint just one particular run but I would say as a as a whole the runs that I've put together on that horse she's just been so much fun for me so is she one of those ones that feels uh, she does not struggle to get to the speed no she's she's so fast um and she can just be anywhere and she never really gets herself in a bad spot but uh, like for how big she is you think she would but she figures out how to get her big old body where it needs to be and uh yeah I would say that um she's I've had the most fun runs on her what was um now I missed on that horse something fierce too because that mare was one as a two-year-old she was a nice horse but her neck her neck naturally comes out pretty high and it's a lot of neck and she's almost you necked I mean, yeah she's, I mean, it's, she's got a, a lot of neck mm-hmm. and this was like say very early 
and in yeah. our in our marriage mm-hmm. and we had her there at the house and I had some people come and they wanted me to have her they you know no, they weren't comfortable with Sarah yet I mean and they were looking for an open horse and I was like man I don't know about that one you know to be a dead on open horse I, I just I don't know if confirmationally if that's really what I'm after you know and I don't know if I'm gonna let you spend your money doing it well and so we kept her with a customer that had been in house and they were um, Steve Roseberry and well that was also before I'd shown jewels yeah, right so yeah yeah and so it was early and Steve was like, whatever you think. And so I says, well, let's let Sarah show her. And, and, and she loved her and really thought I was a little silly for not picking her. And she showed me that I was very wrong. Sucker. And she outpicked <laughs> the heck out of me that year because that was, uh, you know, we get some, com- we get a lot of questions a lot of times about confirmation. Like, what do you look for in a mm-hmm. cult and this and that? And well, I missed the heck out of that rascal. I'll promise you. I mean, because uh, I'll tell you, I'll own that one on the chin all day. But, <laughs> well, uh, you know, Chris, we get that all the time. A ton of the questions are about that. What to look for in a two-year-old. And confirmation is a good guide to help you do some picking. But man, you throw a leg over, and some of them you don't know. Until they're you just get on them. it, and it don't. So probably my favorite two horses are Miss Plain Plain and or the best two horses for me and Top Sales Rainmaker. Nothing alike. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're nothing alike. Yeah. One's a little bitty, like a little pony. One's a great big mare. You don't you don't ever know. No. And back in the days of say, Rozier had Odo Master. It's his head came just straight up out of his shoulders <laughs> straight up but there was nothing that horse couldn't do no i yeah. mean it just that it, confirmation goes so far yeah i would have to i mean wouldn't you think wouldn't you say that confirmation is as important for selling your horses as it is for knowing if you can win on them yeah maybe more important mm-hmm. you're trying to like you guys are getting embryos um, out of horses that you're not your idea isn't that hey we're gonna get this embryo we're gonna ride this horse till it's a bridal horse you're like hey i want an embryo out of something that looks good as a yearling that we can mm-hmm. sell make some money on yeah probably yep. confirmation is more more dramatic there than yeah once the they bring age. them to you mm-hmm. you can't just say yeah you know that one <laughs> he's gorgeous work. but no not gonna work for this yeah yeah yep. yeah you run into that a lot we have a question that yeah. came in uh, yeah. came in on the uh, Facebook time. Messenger. So if you guys have any questions for past or future in- interviewees, feel free to uh, hit us up on Cat Horse Full Contact Facebook page. But this one comes from Kim Rounds. She says, you have a pretty diverse equine background. What are the biggest things that you've gleaned from each discipline that you've shown? Mm. And the countdown begins. <laughs> Well, I've really only technically shown in two different deals. I mean, the the cow horse and the eventing. And so, can I change that question a little bit? And well, I think she probably goes to the colt starting competitions and and all the different. Yeah, I think that's really helped me in my training now to not to be able to adjust to horses and not have to have one certain mold that fits me because it's like I've been able to be around many different breeds and different mentalities um and so to really have that as a foundation I think has has helped me a lot get along with a lot of different horses that have different mentalities now um rather than needing 
a certain cookie cutter that fits right into the Sarah Dawson training program. It's like I can almost kind of shape myself to fit a horse. And I, I think uh, that has my, my foundation has helped me a lot there. Perfect. Well, there you go, Kim. Hope that answers your question. I got one more here from uh, Audrey Hart. As a woman, do you feel you approach training differently? And what would you feel are uh, the advantages or disadvantages? <laughs> the woman question. The woman I question. <laughs> you knew you weren't going to avoid the woman question. Uh, Not at all. All day long. How would she know? She's never been a man. <laughs> right, I, I, right? You know, I wonder why nobody ever asked us how we get, how, you know, if we approach things differently. <laughs> being guys. I, yeah, I, I, I don't think know. <laughs> I don't know, but what I want is a men's division. <laughs> I want away from all these girls that are kicking our butt all the time. It's not fair. I can't ride like that. <laughs> no, I think as soon as you walk through the show pen, everyone's on an equal playing field. I can't speak to how it was many years ago, but just the way those scorecards are set up now, the judge has to tell a story as to how he got your score. And so, I mean... As far as being in the actual show pen, no, I don't think you have an advantage or disadvantage. Just like everyone out there showing, I've ridden out of the pen thinking, wow, that judge was rather kind. And I've also ridden out of the pen thinking, man, I thought I was a little better than that. So, no, I, I, I don't think I can really play the woman card <laughs> at all. <laughs> pro, uh, there's, pro, there's so many things going on in there. Sarah. Have you done much judging I, I just passed my judge's test. Bam. Bam. I failed it the first time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Didn't have to say that, Don. <laughs> <laughs> but we're glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> I've not done very much judging. I don't know that I, I might be too ADD for it. I don't know that I could just sit there. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I mean. I'm, I'm twitching right now. I'm, but. Could you be more than me? Can I what? Could you be more ADD than me? No. Well, then. But you judge. You can make I it. <laughs> You'll make it. Yeah. M and you know later. what I do to relax myself is drink coffee the whole time. So even better. Even better. <laughs> You'll make it. You're going to be a great <laughs> judge. <laughs> You're, so with all that's going on, even after just going through the course of the judging, can you see how it would be hard to change how you're you're trying so hard to get the score right that would be really hard to manipulate the card over something like that oh, super difficult yeah I no mean. it's like they've i love how the judges cards are right now because i mean you do you have to tell that story from beginning to end yeah no i, I think I, I wouldn't change a thing about it any more questions on there well i wouldn't mean i was gonna hit a couple of these standard ones that we have well you know what i'd have to say like on the girl thing right Ever since I've been here, the women have been killing it. You go try to beat Lynn Anderson. All right. Oh, when I came, her and Sandy Collier were at, in Annie Reynolds. I mean, gee, many Christmas. And everything's changed. Cards have changed. Styles have changed. Everything. They were. Yeah. It's just a matter of Yeah, I don't who know wants why to. there aren't more women in it. I just, I don't, I don't know. I think they're everywhere. I'll bet, to be honest with you, probably the... No, I'm, I'm talking about competitive, like, super on-top competitors. I mean, you don't you don't see that very much, and I, I don't know why. Because, I, I mean, as far as the judging goes, same. Yeah, it doesn't so, matter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, and also, you see people that excel in spots. I don't, Lynn Anderson was pretty good in the fraternities and stuff, 
held her own. But you give that lady a bridal horse, and everybody is that's who is that's who you have to beat mm-hmm. in there. I mean, just unbelievable. Oh, she was so fun because she gave you so much. She went so hard, so fast, and her horses could always handle it. I bought one from her a couple of years ago, and I said, what don't you like about him? She says, I'm just not sure if he's good enough down the fence. And I was like, well, uh, the last four I've seen you go down the fence on, like you were upset if you didn't mark a 22. So I'm yeah. like, I, I think I can probably deal with this. And sure enough, that horse could have been a little better down the fence. But you know what? Even needing to be a little better down the fence, I think I was a 23 or something on him in oh the finals Lord. of the Snaff Bifaturity. So it was like, <laughs> hey, that was still pretty okay. So I'll take Lynn's, uh, the one she's a little worried about yeah. down the fence any yeah. day. Good enough for me. Right. <laughs> Little old me. <laughs> so, Sarah, if you talking to uh, younger trainers, what do you think is one inherent trait that uh, it's imperative for a person to have to be successful in the horse business? Addicted to failure? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because you're going to do that a lot. <laughs> so that brings me to another one. How do you feel about failure? Embrace it. No, I I think the failure is what keeps pushing you and keeps driving you really drives me anyways, or part of it. But yeah, it's like you, you've got to be pretty resilient to that and not let your emotions go up and down. Um, Maybe that's why there's not very many women in it. Maybe women are too emotional. I don't know. I mean, it's not. (laughs) Maybe they just wise up faster. (laughs) We're all just a bunch of idiots, really. Yeah. Yeah. There's just us dummies and you, Sarah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. The only girl dumb enough to stay and be a champion. (laughs) So we talk, I mean, like I say, we go on and on about the good stuff. Mm -hmm. What's your biggest disappointment? There's been a lot of disappointments. Oh, don't say your marriage. (laughs) Career speaking. (laughs) Career speaking. My biggest one. Oh, shoot. You know, I don't know that I could name just a biggest disappointment. Because, I mean, I would say anytime you spend that much time working on something and training an animal and thinking you had it all put together and you go to the horse show and you realize you don't. I mean, it's extra, it's heartbreaking every time. And so to, to have a biggest disappointment, I don't know that I can name one, but like each one in itself hurts, I would say. I can't really name a biggest disappointment. Well, there you go. <laughs> What's your biggest disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> My biggest disappointment is probably a lost cow on uh, Shiny Sparkly. Oh, really? That's an alphabet. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> that was probably, uh, I mean... That was a pretty good one. Yep. Those yeah. will happen. Right. No, yeah, no, they absolutely <laughs> will happen. But like That's say, the if thing. I had to, it's like you I sit mean, here and think about it. It was so disappointing to Chris. But, I mean, to you and I, I mean, we don't think anything about it. Yeah. And so it's like you're really the, I mean. You're the only one. You're the only one. Yeah. The, the only one that cares. I mean, your, your friends are still your friends. The people who love you still love you. But, I mean, it, it, it happened to you, so it affects you deeply. But the rest of us, it's, no just, one a, else it's just one of those runs that it didn't yep, work out. It on. didn't work out. No one thinks anything less of you. I mean, it just didn't work. And if they do, you don't need them. That's no it's very true. <laughs> Get rid of them. It's very true. <laughs> Get rid of them. What about uh, your training philosophy? Did you spit that out a phrase for us? My training philosophy. Hmm. I don't know if you would call this a philosophy or not. A, the biggest thing for me that I've learned, and I don't want to steal your words, but it would be to trust your training program. 
and I've had things go bad and I've trusted my program enough to not come home and start going to 10 different people and saying, okay, I need to change all of these things. But to be able to come home and trust my training program, but maybe need to figure out a little tweak that I need to make. And probably the biggest example was a couple years ago, it was at the Futurity, and my horses felt great going into that horse show, and none of them really got down down the fence. I mean, it's like they weren't embarrassing, but they just, they were pretty average. Um, and so coming home, it's like I did, wasn't really, I didn't question my training program so much. It was more maybe what I else I needed to incorporate. And so in, like, in that particular instance, it's like, okay, I'm not going to do any more training or going to do much less training. I'm just going to go make fence runs. And so I did that a lot with my next batch of three-year-olds for the following year. And I mean, they were like different horses. I didn't train them any different, but I would say I probably just trained them less. And I just went and did the job. And they were just so much more accountable and there for me. And so that was one of the huge things, because I think if I would have taken away from that one time and wanted to go change everything nothing really would have happened yeah Yeah. and so to just have a program and and trust it um but know when you need to make a minor adjustment minor yes great huge huge adjustments can you can start overcorrecting your issues Mm -hmm. and wind up off in no man's land where you've Mm -hmm. got problems that you don't even know where they came from and now you're chasing ghosts instead of just okay this was a bad show. I just need to fix a, a little thing at a time and yep. see if it works. Not just go home and tear the house down. Yeah, because yeah, like almost in my particular situation, I needed to go home and quit training in a yes. sense and just go home and go do it and just make my horses, whether it felt good or bad or just complete the maneuver type deal. And it was amazing the difference I felt in my horses from that year to the next. So, Sarah, you said you don't know why there's not more women that are at the high end of the training. And I'm sitting here thinking about because in the beginning, there are a lot. I think there's more young girls in the horses than mm-hmm. there are men mm-hmm. or boys. And, and sometimes I think the boys just go off and rodeo and do other stuff for a little while. But the great thing about girls, and Greg told me this way early, he says, hey, you're way, way better off if you're getting help from girls, because girls love their horses. Mm-hmm. They're kind to them. They don't make them do as much, but they're happy with everything they do. And their horses, when things get really hard, their horses stay with them. Whereas boys are always forcing and making, and, you know, they'll get them horses broke, but sometimes them get, if them boys haven't figured the feel out, when things get really hard, those horses don't stay with them. So I, it would lead to reason there's more girls and they're better at it. So how come there aren't more later on? Mm-hmm. Like you said, I, and I think you might, I, I see more girls at the high level than you probably do. You're one of them. But then, then there's Aaron Tormino and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, there's, know, a, there's a few of a us few, for but, sure. Mm-hmm. But I see your Tina point. Robinson. It, Tina Robinson. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many, but do you think that life changes the priorities a little? I mean, I don't know. You know, we're, you guys are still kind of young. I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm hitting my 50s and stuff. And a lot of the guys that become iconic in training, it doesn't, they stay for a long mm-hmm. time. And maybe the girls 
Yeah, um, maybe that's possible that their priorities do shift. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I'd love to get Tina on and visit with her yeah. because, like I say, shoot, in 2011, she won the intermediate. That's now Fifaturity. And not long after that, she had Tegan, and she's starting to come back in that show pen. You're starting to see her at some more majors now, but she's had a little hiatus. Yeah. And that girl's super talented, and I mean. Oh, she's so unbelievable. unbelievable. And that, like my wife says, that's the prettiest little girl at the horse show, that Tegan. All right. Oh, she's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. She's pretty cute. But I, you know, I wonder, and I wonder if the girls marrying boys, uh, men, and they're both training, if the maybe the, it changes the um, priorities change yeah. a little bit and they let it slide to the boys more or, or that what? That might, might be it, yeah. Where that I would disagree. Well, maybe not in our case. <laughs> but yeah, maybe where that dynamic changes. And I mean, it's really just, it's finding fulfillment in life and it depends what you find your fulfillment from. Mm. Me, I, I get it from, from being a competitor. I love it. And I mean, I, I don't want that to define me, but uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else and so yeah maybe when when one gets married starts a family and say maybe this isn't very important in my life and they kind of go on and and do something else it's Uh, some of the non-pro um girls and and like lynn anderson never um did but say even annie reynolds and you know laurie ward and a few of them that just um, stayed forever they Mm -hmm. never stop it just it's just that's a that's a different question mm-hmm. i hadn't thought of there not being as many girls at the top end especially when i'm sitting here and thinking about my god there are so many that are so phenomenal mm-hmm. young that the boys really they're awkward and coarse and you know like mm-hmm. geez yeah <laughs> you're just like how is that ever gonna work and then they become chris dawson someday <laughs> <laughs> i know that uh Shoot, the art of the cowgirl out there. They had the world's greatest horsewoman. And that was like something like 70 or something entered out there. So it was awesome. crazy. And I think some of them are entered back here for the world's greatest. And so I'm super excited to see that. Yeah, that was a huge event. I think huge. it exceeded everyone's expectations. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, so you know they're out there. And yeah. so, like I say, I don't know if, I mean, if there's a, maybe a little lack of confidence. Maybe there's just a swing coming, you know, because in the other thing, maybe some of those kind of events bring it back because I know that didn't know that the world's greatest horseman was going to be that big. And um, I remember thinking that the world's greatest youth wasn't going to be on when they announced, I'm like, God, I, I hope we get five, eight, right? six, <laughs> seven. When do we have 20, 17, 20, 17 this year. I think, I think it was 20 some last year. Holy cow. I think mm-hmm. a couple of them aged out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the um so maybe just more of that stuff brings it brings it back but i also kind of feel like sarah does it's just when you go in the pen you're just in the pen i'm just saying as an industry as a whole mm-hmm. it is is kind of odd that there's so many great girls young that you don't see as much later mm-hmm. yeah no it's very interesting so Dawn, if you could say uh, what would be the most important five minutes of your career the most important five minutes of my career and not when you said I do. <laughs> no, I would say it would be the Futurity, Shine Smarter, right before I was uh, getting ready to go into the herd. The two people before me lost cows in that herd. 
And I don't know why it made such a mental switch for me, but it made me just realize that it could happen to anyone and just go show my horse. And it's just something clicked in my brain right there and went and showed and made the finals. And just, I can't really tell you why, but uh, I'm really grateful that those two horses lost cows because it really helped me get over some sort of mental hurdle you remember that who I it was? had. No. Be nice if you could thank him or buy him a beer or something. <laughs> <laughs> and go back. Your loss was my gain. I just so knew that he was going to know who it was. <laughs> and th- but no, I thought he was really going to amaze us and tell us who it was in front of you. I should have just come on with it Nothing. with authority. That yeah, you could have just said anyone. It wouldn't yeah. have mattered. It wouldn't have. I would have gone with it. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Just one time. <laughs> So what, what's your, fun question, but what's your favorite place to show, be it a venue or just the atmosphere of the horse show, or what's your favorite event? Favorite place to show, I would probably say the the Will Rogers Coliseum, because it means you made the Snaffle Bit Finals, and you're just going out and having fun. So, yeah. Good answer. Uh, yeah, mm. right now, that's my favorite place to show. I love that Coliseum. Oh, I so. love it's, it. It's got the best It feel. is such a bowl. The people are sitting right on the rail mm-hmm. on both sides. And it's so fast and so deadly for the fins. Yep. It's just, so much fun. Mm. Yeah, talking about sudden death. Love it. Yeah. One Love that. bad step and you are. Hey, it's out. so awesome because you know, you're taking all the pressure off the judges. There's so many people take themselves out that's easy to pick a winner. And right. that's what we're about. Mm-hmm. We're not about I'm supposed to be the winner. We're about who gets to be the winner tonight. Yep. Sometimes it's not you. Sometimes you get beat. Yep. Cool, man. Next time I won't. Next time they'll get beat. Yeah. I, I love that about that band. Hey, if you could go back in time and tell your 20-year-old self something, some pearl of wisdom, what would you do? What would you tell her? Some pearl of wisdom. You know, five years ago at 20. Yeah. It would probably be that 15 minutes after that win, you're going to feel the same as you did 20 minutes before. And so don't put much stock in it is probably what I would tell myself because I've learned the more you win, the more pressure you put on yourself to keep winning. It doesn't, you never really arrive and you're never satisfied. And so to just let it be what it's going to be and not put so much stock in the winning and losing. Awesome. That's a good one. Awesome. Well, Sarah, I'm so glad you married him and let me come to your house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. And when we get a bunch of questions off the internet, we'll have to do another one because I know where we can find you. Know where you live. Yep. You can run, but you can't hide. I can hide. (laughs) (laughs) She can't actually hide because you're such a distraction. Everyone will go to you. I'm very quiet. Yep. All right, then. I guess that's the end of that. Cool. See you guys next time. Thanks, guys. Cow horse. Full contact. Thank you for listening to Cow Horse, Full Contact. Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.